Dr. Uh, Jahani's experience is, is uh, as far as education, her research uh, aligns well with identity development uh, and its importance to education and uh, community building. So I chose to write my dissertation on racial identity construction of Arab American college students uh, because this is a group that is basically non-identified in terms of um, their racial or ethnic status depending on what scholar you speak to there's different terminology that will be used but uh, if you look at the demographics of our institution or any institution for that matter that uses federal race categories there's no way to track the student population and i not not to put so much emphasis on the statistics or the numbers but if you are a student success practitioner as we are in higher education especially a community college tracking student data is extremely important that's how we can reach out and implement student support services and retention strategies right so because arabs and people of middle eastern descent and those of north african descent are considered white on the u.s census and those are the categories that we've adopted as an institution just like many other institutions in this country uh, we don't have that data. And so I chose that topic because it's uh, a lends itself well to filling a void in research, but also provides a voice for the, the student population that falls under the radar. We know that they're here. We work, we work with them every day. All you have to do is walk the halls of Moraine Valley to see that we have a very large Arab and Muslim student population here on campus. And because of the demographics in the southwest suburbs that surround our community college, there's already a built-in population of Arabs that will always attend this college just because this is near their home. And we don't have to recruit them or put in much effort to get them here. They just come. And I think that's important for the college to recognize and the community to recognize um, because as enrollment numbers fall across the country and across our state, uh, I think that when we have communities that we always have had at least for the last couple of decades and that continue to grow we should show them some love and give them support and i think that as club advisors students and i do that in a club capacity role but we're not we have jobs here on campus right and sometimes we have to remind our students we do have jobs here <laughs> that club advising is not our only job it's something that we do as volunteers and we love but um, i think institutionally it's important to also provide space and um, efforts to support this population as well and outreach efforts in the community and the college overall has been supportive of the events and the different initiatives that these student groups have brought to campus um, but I'm talking more on an institutional level um, in terms of providing support services it's important also to recognize uh, these student groups and to provide support for them as we have for other groups. I think that we definitely have a lot of support um, with multicultural student affairs. Sometimes we have to reach out and support international. Um, but there, there's different different pockets, you know, outside of just you know the clubs that help you know provide that support for the students. So I, I think the college as a whole. I think Nina hit it on 
a hundred percent was um, we've gotten a lot of support uh, with just the different events that we've put on campus whether it's just the use of space the use of resources um, and whatever you know the students come up with as long as they fall in line with the values of the college have been able to you know put what, what their visions were into into motion yeah uh, being here three years myself it would be interesting if we did capture that data because uh, inside of student success identity is a is a big piece and stepping over that now there's always opportunity for leadership to grow or an institution to grow so there is an opportunity in general so inside of the richness of diversity and uh, the, the richness of resources here there's there's always an opportunity to to stretch you know have a stretch goal have a stretch opportunity and I think uh, at some point tackling that identity conversation to uh, acknowledge the presence inside of how these folks want to be uh, captured versus right. uh, having to be in a default category and so I appreciate uh, I've done work in that seminary so I appreciate your work in that in that area as well and your persistent leadership because uh, you also give talks on campus around that so I've attended one of those talks so you're you even advocate uh, among the community on a consistent basis on how to relate to the students if I'm not correct yeah absolutely so uh, the presentation or workshop that you attended and Tish was there as well was a workshop that I've been giving for several years here at the CTL the Center for Teaching and Learning on understanding our Arab student population and again our our staff and faculty in general have from my experience have been phenomenal and reaching out and asking questions and wanting to learn more and seeking information to support these students on campus. Uh, and I think that because we are a diverse campus, I mean, it has to be something that, you know, people are interested in learning about because if not, when, you know, sometimes a third of your students in the classroom could be Arab or, or Muslim background, if you're not familiar with you know, at least some of the nuances of the culture or religion, you can sometimes do something offensive or not understand um, a particular reason why a student, let's say, might want to take off for Eid holiday or something like that. And so going beyond that, looking at a more institutional level of support um, where it's something where there are, again, strategies to track these students to implement student success strategies retention strategies i mean i've talked about this with some of my colleagues and we you know we kind of hypothesize that maybe some of the arab male students may have some of the same um issues that our african-american male students have in terms of reaching graduation or completion and we don't know that for sure we're just looking at who crosses the stage, you know, at graduation every year and also knowing our communities and knowing some of the struggles and responsibilities that our young males sometimes have in a family role, also helping their families, working, balancing, you know, family life, uh, contributing financially and also going to school. And so, again, unless we track these students, we don't have a way of running such a study uh, and you know, again, Multicultural Student Affairs obviously does offer support to all students, but I worked in Multicultural Student Affairs and we don't have a way of tracking Arab students. We work with the students that walk in the office and we, you know, offer them support, but there really wasn't a way to do very um, specific outreach to Arab or Muslim students. 
And now that I'm in learning enrichment college readiness and I work with a very large English as a second language program, we do have different registration forms than the college does use and we're able to track that student population. We have students from over 40 different countries and we know that 30% of those students are from Arabic speaking countries because we are able to, to ask those questions on our registration form and ICCB allows us to do that. And that data is so valuable so we know kind of the resources that they might need, what kind of documents we need to translate. I mean, we just had a billboard campaign and we had it up in Arabic, English, and Spanish and various areas in our, um, in our district. But how would we know that those are the languages we needed to put that billboard up in if we didn't track that information? And so we were able to, to utilize that data. I think the college would really, really benefit from finding um, you know, are, are looking for more information on the diversity of the student population here on campus, not just Arab and Muslim students, but also, I mean, just so many, so much diversity on campus. The white category also includes Polish, Lithuanian, Irish, I mean, all these other large groups that are probably represented on campus, but we don't really have a way of honing in and finding the details of that data. They use the acronym ICB. ICCB, yeah. So the Illinois Community College Board the governing board at the state level for Illinois community colleges and the funding for our adult education program comes from federal and state funding and that funding is monitored through the Illinois community college board. Um, so then that transitions to uh, probably our next to last topic. There wouldn't be a need for this type of, you, you would still want there to be self-expression but there's also um, the reality of isms and stereotypes and um, no place is perfect and I what I really admired in listening and engaging with some of your students is that they were quite upfront about it uh, and, but they were inside of being upfront they were quite open right and and this experience of being inside your the groups that you lead um, contributed to their their personal development around dealing with stereotypes but also leadership development seemed to be a consistent theme uh, any any thoughts on on those approaches or or, or just dealing with stereotypes and how you engage your students about, you know, Islamophobia, for example. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I've found is that our students, by default, become ambassadors for all things Arab or all things Muslim. And even if they're Christian students, they get asked a lot of questions about Muslims and hijab and fasting and Ramadan, and they have to you know, explain to whoever's asking them, like, oh, I'm not Muslim, but I mean, I know some things about this. I could share with you what I know. And, you know, it's part of, again, this um, racialization of Arabs and Muslims in one category. And again, you know, I talked about the importance of tracking these students um, via this racial category, but we recognize that race is a social construct. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is this is how our government tracks people. And so that's why, you know, while we like to think outside of the box, it's important to also have representation and have that box. And um, I could talk about that topic all day, but, you know, I don't want to um, get off topic. So our students become these ambassadors and by default, they have to educate their peers and sometimes their professors or even administrators about what it means to be Arab or Muslim. And also, you know, 
although they might come from an Arab background or Muslim background, it doesn't mean that they were really entrenched in that heritage or culture growing up. And as Sunda said, some of them come to MSA because they want to learn about what it means to be Muslim beyond just that label, because perhaps their family didn't really teach them. And I mean, I, as an Arab Muslim female myself, I, the majority of what I learned about being a Muslim, I learned myself in college and from getting involved on campus and being involved in an MSA. And although, you know, we called ourselves Muslim and my mom was, you know, practicing and taught me how to pray at a young age, there were so many things I didn't know until I did my own research and learned from people that, you know, grew up in a little bit of a more practicing Islamic environment than I did. Um, so our students are seeking that, they're still trying to find themselves, and then at the same time they're expected to explain, you know, something that happened on the news last night that they're in no way connected to, but because somebody that is supposedly Muslim did something that is now as portrayed by the media representative of this, you know, 1.2 billion people in the world. Um, so they're balancing a lot, and I think we help support them through that and remind them that as much as, you know, it's great to be to educate others about your heritage and where you're from and to continue to learn about where you come from, you know, that responsibility of educating the public or your college community doesn't only fall on your shoulders. And that if they come to these groups and they're involved, they are making an effort to want to educate others because that's a lot of what we do as an organization when we host events, they're educational events. Uh, but it's not just our responsibility as ASU and MSA to do that or as advisors. Um, you know, again, going back to the institutional perspective, I think as an institution, we can do that. As a community, we can do that. And we're lucky to have the resources and, and support from our surrounding community. Um, but there's a lot of work to be done ahead of us. Um, and I think that, you know, in hopefully five or 10 years, things will change. And, you know, we won't have to speak about these student clubs like, you know, there's something special. This is just going to be the norm. And, you know, they're like every other, I don't want to say like every other group, but, you know, it's not there will just be more understanding. I just hope for more understanding, um, the recognition of the importance of intersectionality and the struggles that we have with other groups. Uh, and I hope that that support and unity continues to flourish, that we've started to plant those seeds mm -hmm. more on our campus and in our community. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's always gonna be that element of trying to find yourself and trying to grow and try and questioning why why is this happening why is this person saying these things to me when I'm not the one that you know is or doing the acts that they feel like you know I'm a part of um, there's always going to be that question I, I kind of feel like the, the students that we get in our clubs because like I said we've co-advised we've advised our own clubs um, I feel like they're they, they have so much pride and they're they're not afraid of saying, you know, they join Arab Student Union because they're not going to shy away from it. They join Muslim Student Association because they're not going to shy away from it. The girls, you know, if, when they're wearing hijab, they, they say, this is who I am, and I'm proud of who I am, and if you have a problem with it, please come ask me. Ask me why. 
why am I wearing this? Why do I do things in a certain way? Why do I go into the reflection room? Why, you know, why do I do these things? And um, they, they want to answer those questions and they put themselves out there on purpose. Like we have um, National Hijab Day where even Women in Action and um, a few other clubs get together and they pass out hijabs and say, hey, try it on, ask me a question. You know, they want those questions to come to them because they're 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 woke. They know they know that these things are are out there, and um, they're they really want to break those stereotypes with their kindness. And um, I just I love the group, you know that we both have great groups. Uh, the students that I'm working with, I mean, they just have so much kindness in them, um, and they show it in their actions. They show it when they're talking or working with other students or just trying to, when they're putting, putting things together, trying to help each other out to make sure that things are, are successful. And, and those, those, those little reminders of, you know, how they're going to get through their day, you know, and how they, how they need to reflect on themselves and their religion and get past these things um, that, that might be happening in these stereotypes. Um, even, you know, some of the Muslim students in the podcast, you know, when they were talking about some of the Muslim guys, they're, they're like, they were like, you know, the, the girls are, are out there. They got their hijab on, but the guys aren't always known whether, you know, they might, might look more Arab. They might not. They don't know if they're Muslim or not. Um, so they, they try to put that projection out there like, hey, you know, just, you know, I'm, I'm here if you have any questions, you know. I'm I'm all for answering anything that that you might want you know to learn more about. Um, as Nina stated, you know, with with our clubs, we're open to not just Arab students and Muslim students. They've always invited students outside of them to say, "Hey, come in." You know, I'd love for you to learn more about us. Um, not a whole lot of students take them up on that, <laughs> but um, I've seen a, a few faculty members, like the Muslim Student Association holds an Aftar dinner every year um, where they break fast with each other, and they've invited some of their, they'll invite some of their um, faculty members, some of the um, instructors that they had that year, which has been really great. We've had Jason King and Joshua Fulton and some of uh, these instructors come and be a part of this with us um, and get that, that insight. Um, Last year, they also had a, um, you know, go visit a mosque day where we all got together and went to um, Mecca Center, which is right here in Willowbrook, which is just 10, 10 minutes up the street. And a couple of instructors joined us so that they could see what it's like inside of a mosque and learn from the imam who gave us, you know, a little talk about the mosque and about Islam. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they feel it. Uh, it comes up often, but they, they just try to hedge against it with kindness. And I think that's wonderful the way that they react to it. This episode of MVCC POV was produced by AWD PhD and edited by Tish Hayes with music by Lakey Inspired. Special thanks to the MVCC Library for supporting the podcast. <laughs>